This is the PKD Black Box, Episode 4. This episode of the PKD Black Box is brought to you by AtomicTiki.blogspot.com, the virtual home of comic artist Steve Bryant, Eisner Award nominee and creator of Athena Voltaire. His work has appeared in IDW and Moonstone Comics, and he is currently accepting commissions during the holiday season. To see samples of his art and more, check out atomictiki.blogspot.com. Once again, that's atomictiki.blogspot.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I am your host, Sean Pryor. And before we get things started, got a couple of announcements. This just in. The Lantern Cast, the foremost podcast about all things Green Lantern, has been gracious enough to sponsor PKD Media at the Comic Geek Speak 2010 Super Show. Thanks to their goodwill, the table expenses for PKD Media and all of their creators, including myself, artist Andrew Charpar, artist Big Jim Miller, artist Bill Blankenship, and artist Julian Lytle, have been completely covered. The Lantern Cast has been producing content since November of 2008 with host Jim Ford, Green Lantern aficionado and FW4D.com webcomic creator and fellow cartoonist Dan Kurtzke. Together with program director Jason Grice, the Lantern cast provides in-depth reviews, interviews, and spotlights weekly. 100% Super Show approved and PKD Media give a big thanks to the Lantern cast for their support. Now, we here at PKD Media, we got a lot in store for folks who attend the CGS Super Show on March 27th and March 28th. 2010 at the Greater Reading Expo in Reading, Pennsylvania. So we hope to see you there. Our other announcement is is that fellow co-host John Carroll, who will be appearing on this episode um, today or, or whenever you download this show, um, is also co-sponsoring PKD Media at HeroesCon in North Carolina. Uh, he has contributed uh, to us, and so we're going to take that money and invest in a booth at us at heroes con so uh, i just want to say thanks to john for being supportive of what pkd media is trying to do uh, what our comics are trying to do what we're just trying to do as a whole and i'm very thankful for that and i'm very thankful to the lightning cast for helping us out sponsoring us completely at the super show um, your generosity is more than appreciated i'm very thankful everybody that contributes on these comics here at pkd media and everything else we're trying to do is more than thankful so thank you One of my favorite podcasts, Geek Syndicate, has done it yet again. Uh, the show, which is hosted by Barry the Nuge Nugent and David Monteith, as they guide you to the murky underbelly of geekdom, they've done it again. What they've done is they have now added a webcomic to their ever-growing rotisserie of multimedia. <laughs> the webcomic, which is penciled and inked and uh, cleverly put together by Harold Jennett, is a joy to read. It follows the exploits of the Nuge and David uh, through their journeys of geekdom on a weekly basis. Uh, they've gone through a journey where they tried to find a werewolf. They went through another journey where the Nuge is trying to let himself and release himself from the trenches of Smallville and all of its terribleness, but he can't let it go. And there's also a costume contest as well. You have to check it out for yourself to, uh, to understand it all. It's really funny stuff. Harold Jennett's art is really great to look at. He is a wonderful cartoonist, and I really hope that he continues to do more of this. He is a very skilled veteran, and I applaud his skills. 
This webcomic is yet another thing the Geek Syndicate has added to their multimedia empire. They already have additional podcasts like Small Press Big Mouth. They have their Geek Syndicate specials. They have the Everything Comes Back to 2000 AD podcast. And there's also the podcast Comic Racks, which has grown into its own thing. And now they're doing their thing. So mad props to Geek Syndicate. Mad props to the Geek Syndicate webcomic by Harold Jennett. Wonderful to read. Go to geeksyndicate.wordpress.com to check out more of the content. On last week's episode of the PKD Black Box, I mentioned that I was going to try to come up with a plan to pull NBC out of their fourth place ratings on television at this time. But somebody else has come up with an even bigger idea, or I'm sorry, they made bigger news. Comcast said it would um, agree to buy 51% of NBC Universal from General Electric, which basically means they get control of NBC. Now, Comcast has said that they would maintain free over-the-air t- over TV on NBC stations, to which many feel is a business model that is eroding because of falling advertising revenue. And Comcast also pledged to improve public interest programming and said it would not let business interest affect NBC News. Well, that's nice to say, but let's be serious about this. That is not the biggest controversy about this whole deal. Here's the controversy or issue. Let me call it. I'll just say issue. If Com- once Comcast acquires NBC Universal, Comcast no longer has to pay for any NBC Universal channel. They don't have to worry about the subscription fees for those channels at all. Every cable network has to pay a subscription fee for a channel. There may be a period of time in your neighborhood where Nickelodeon almost got cut off or Cartoon Network almost got cut off or various channels. It doesn't matter. Every cable channel has a subscription to it. And every year or however the contracts work out, these cable companies or cable providers have to re-up with these cable channels in order to get things worked out. Now, Comcast would no longer have to pay for any NBC Universal channel because they own it. So, you know, let's see, USA, Bravo, sci-fi, things like that. They don't have to pay for that anymore once this agreement goes through, if it goes through, which it probably will. So now DirecTV, Verizon, Time Warner Cable, other cable operators in your neck of the woods are getting a little nervous because now they will be negotiating with a rival on how much they would have to pay to carry NBC broadcasting cable channels. And in this AP article that um, I pulled off the internet, actually I pulled a couple of AP articles on this um, on this subject um, off of the internet, just to study this a little bit more. And one article says, one AP article says, an NBC Universal under Comcast might be less willing to budge than one under General Electric. Consumer groups worry that as a result, programming fees that are already creeping up could rise even faster with the cost passed to consumers or to customers in their monthly pay TV bills. This is a real, This is also a big deal because people forget that five years ago, Comcast tried to buy Disney, and it didn't work out. They weren't able to do it, so they finally got their, their, their cash cow. They got their Disney. They got NBC Universal. Not only do they attain a load of uh, television stations and cable TV stations, but they also acquire Universal Films. Now, this also gives them the opportunity on Comcast Cable to beef up their video on-demand offerings and rely less on cable revenue. So let's say, for instance, for example, if Universal Film comes out, comes out, you know, this Friday or on a Friday or whatever, 
they could in turn take that Universal movie and also make it on demand on every Comcast cable box or you know or any Comcast service. They can make it on demand when whenever they want it. So a movie could debut at a movie theater and at your house at the same time if you have Comcast. Now these other providers couldn't do that because this is a Comcast Universal deal because it's all under the same house. Could happen, couldn't happen. I'm just this is just pretty much I'm just kind of you know, just playing devil's advocate right now. Stuff like that, these other cable companies are really freaking out about. Especially Dish Network. They're really freaking out. But um, you also have to look at it like this, too. This was a good deal for Comcast, and they pounced on it because NBC Universal was also suffering through hard times. Adver- advertising revenue is slowed. NBC is the fourth ranked network on television. Um, according to an AP article, theme park attendance is weak. And as we, many of us know, Universal Pictures has also suffered a couple box office bombs, including Land of the Lost. So if the company's losing money, eh, you go in and buy it, everybody's happy. Things may not have been going well for NBC Universal, but they're still profitable. They have operating earnings of $1.7 billion on revenue of one, of $11.2 billion in the first three quarters of 2009. And that's... You know, besides the fact that NBC is the fourth ranked network and they've had flops and stuff like that in the box office, they're okay. Now, as far as NBC goes, this stuff with Jay Leno five nights a week has to stop. It's ridiculous. They are killing themselves um, in conjunction with, um, you know, late night news or 11 o'clock news. Normally, 11 o'clock news lives and dies by the lead in. So basically, if you have a very powerful show that gets a lot of solid ratings in your neighborhood, that means those people will normally watch the news that follows it. Because Jay Leno is on from 10 to 11, those, those lead-in ratings have dipped dramatically. At one period of time in the Philadelphia market, the lead-in, the lead-in ratings for Leno to the news dropped 34%. That's bad. People don't really watch this show. And it's still making money because it doesn't cost a lot to make. The Jay Leno show costs 10% of, of a one-hour drama. So if a drama costs, if let's say, for instance, let's just say a Law & Order-esque type show or anything like that costs a million dollars, you're looking at $100,000 for a Jay Leno show five nights a week. That's pretty cheap. So I understand why they do it, but it's killing them in the ratings. And not only that, because the Jay Leno show is on five nights a week at 10 o'clock, you have the issue of NBC putting shows on at certain times where things don't fit. Law and Order has been on forever. I know this, you know this. But putting it on at Friday nights at 8 o'clock is killing the show. Nobody's watching it. Whereas in their previous time spot, the ratings may not have been as great as they used to be, but it was still better than where they're at right now. And not only that, a show like Trauma, which I enjoy watching, it's a high-budget show, a lot of action, a lot of special effects. You can't put that up against Monday Night Football. You can't. You're killing it. And to the point where basically they canceled the show. It's going to end its run. It's going to, I guess, 13, 16 episodes. And after that, it's done. So you can't, So because of Leno being on five nights a week, drama, trauma, trauma is actually a 10 o'clock show that plays at 9 o'clock on Monday against Monday Night Football. And if you had it on, like, say, for instance, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night at 10 o'clock, you'd be fine. Or at least you hope you'd be fine, depending on what you're going up against. Heroes is another story. 
as I was talking with some friends on the internet about this, people like familiarity. When Heroes is combined with Chuck, Heroes gets better ratings, even if Heroes is a weak show. Teaming up Heroes and Trauma up against Monday Night Football and House and everything else, like How I Met Your Mother and all that other stuff, they're getting killed. I mean, they're literally getting bitch slapped. So this was just a, that was a bad move on NBC's part. Something like that, I would have wait till January when you get the Heroes Chuck team up. People dig it. The ratings are good. You don't have as many new episodes of House and How I Met Your Mother on in the beginning of January and stuff like that. So more new content for NBC, it kind of works out. Even though, if, if memory serves me right, Fox plays a lot of American Idol for the first couple of weeks on a Monday, but it's all that preview garbage. So it's something NBC has to think about. Some of their best shows used to come on at 10 o'clock. Their, their good, strong dramas used to come on at 10, and they can't do that anymore, so they're, they're, forced to come on at, they're forced to come on at 9, or they don't come on at all. Southland got picked up by TNT. NBC had to cancel it before even airing an episode, and they already filmed six episodes because they had nowhere to put it. They could put it on Saturday nights, but Saturday nights are, are pretty bad for television. Any network. They can't really put it on Sunday because, you know, during football season, it's NBC, it's NBC Sunday Night Football, one of the best things going for NBC right now, ratings-wise. So that and The Biggest Loser. But that's reality television. It's another subject for another time. I really won't get into that. This Leno experiment, although it's saving NBC money, in the long run is going to kill them. Now, Comcast, this Comcast um, acquisition or agreement to own 51% of NBC may change that. Leno might, you know, become a three night a week show. It might become a two night a week show. But in all honesty, NBC just should have let Leno go and let him go to Fox because that's what that's basically what was going to happen. He was going to go to Fox. He would have been the late night guy for Fox or ABC. And they probably would have pushed oh, Jimmy Kimmel back to a later time slot. And this would be, you know, said and done. But NBC wanted to save money because their ratings aren't great and they're not making advertising revenue because they're saying they're go- that these shows that they're putting out are going to acquire ratings that are huge and ginormous when, honestly, that's, not the p- that's just not the case. They're setting their expectations too high. All networks set their expectations too high to get, to get this ad revenue or, and, you know, to get this ad revenue. And it doesn't work out that way anymore. This is not the 80s. This isn't the early 90s you got to scale back your expectations. And if you scale back your expectations, you also need to scale back your budgets on some of these shows. So, very, you know, a few random thoughts on the on the NBC situation, the Comcast acquisi- you know, acquisition, and, you know, some ideas, or not ideas, but just theories about the whole um, NBC uh, lineup. I have some more ideas on it, but I'm still, you know, so all this stuff is just really just hitting me as I go. And I'll probably talk about this some other time when I'm just a tad more focused. I hope my ramblings did not confuse people. All right, we're going to conclude our conversation with indie comic creators Lynn Workman of Bushy Tales and Martheus Wade of Jetta Tales the Toshigawa. We're going, to fin- we're going to finish up that conversation and we're going to pick it up. Um, let's see, we're talking about digital distribution and digital comics. So we're going to pick it up right about there. Enjoy. Now, the more outlets you have, the better, but also at the same time, those outlets, I have to be willing to play with you as well. That's one thing that I do have a problem with the iPhone, is that if you want to, say, go to the Unique's 
comic.com and get the PB and get the CBZ or PDF file, you cannot download it straight from their website to your phone. You can't. You would have to download it and then you have to to your computer and then you have to sync it and you have to have a reader on your phone and everything. But even if you have to have the reader on your phone, if they op- Apple opens up the upper, basically the architecture just a little bit where you can download it to the device and then go straight from there. But I doubt Apple will. Something like what we've talked about, uh, Sean, with uh, Bridgestone, with something that you can just go straight, download it, bam, you're good. Mm-hmm. You're good. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's what we need. And I feel, mm-hmm. honestly, that's what we need in order just to get more comics in people's hands. Because to me, the biggest issue, well, another issue that I have with comics is, is that comics should not be treated like speakeasies. That mm-hmm. is one of my biggest problems with the comic industry itself is that it's still treated like a redheaded stepchild. And right. that if you're over a certain age, you shouldn't read them at all. Mm-hmm. Thing is, is that now there's more material for the adult television watching crowd than there is for the actual children, you know, mm-hmm. than, than for tr- children itself. It's kind of flipped. There's a few exceptions like the Boom Boom Studios, Disney Kids line, mm-hmm. uh, the Muppet stuff. There yeah. are books for kids and adults that they can both sit and enjoy. But seeing that so many comics are so tuned towards adults having these readers they can just read them at their own will and they don't have to have a book in the general mm-hmm. public and not feel embarrassed although you shouldn't feel embarrassed because if you like something yeah. you like it just just be grown and just deal with it mm-hmm. um sorry i that kind of went on a well, rant. I've, I've spent a lot of time uh this past month with uh my girlfriend's sister was was in the hospital so i spent a lot of time either in an ER waiting room or a you know ICU waiting room and I am I am not a techie by any means but you know she she got a two for one deal on some blackberries I could sit there and check my Facebook I could update my website all this kind of stuff so man if I could sit there and, and read comics on on something like that too yeah I mean and this is a guy who's been buying printed comics since you know the early 70s I never thought I would I would say, no, dude, I will not touch a digital copy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm for it. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I switched yesterday from uh, my BlackBerry Curve into a uh, Android phone, the mm-hmm. Google operating system. On their Android market, Android market, you know what the number one, the very first item in there is mm-hmm. comics. There you go. Because they've Very got nice. it. Whoever it was that does Jesus hates zombies uh, and a couple mm-hmm. other people, they've got a whole bunch of lists. A couple of them are free, and then it's ninety nine cents for the rest. Yeah. And they've got a reader and everything. I still want to see printed comics. That's what I grew up with. That's, I love the smell and and holding a comic and, and actually being able to take your time, pour over the art. I always hope I see that. But yeah. I want to see more digital stuff too. Because, I mean, you know, yeah, I grew up in the 70s with comics. You know, this is before Pong. <laughs> now there are these video games that are it's like watching a movie. So why shouldn't the kids, you know, I say the kids, because I'm 43. I'm the baby. I'm 32. <laughs> yay. Um, yeah. You, you know, these, the, the kids that are growing up these days, they're used to picking up a PlayStation or, you know, Xbox or, you know, my, my nieces and nephews were sitting at dinner the other night playing these little handheld video games that are smaller than my phone. It just amazed me. You know, you you can go on trips now and watch movies in the car. Oh, we used to have to play the license plate game. It hasn't been that long ago. No. And what's it going to be like in the next five years or the next ten years? As a self-publisher, you've got to keep your eye ahead and be willing to change and adapt. And I think one problem in comics distribution now is that you have – Basically, to, you don't have those people who will read a comic book 
and pass it on to somebody else to read and say, hey, you like that? Okay, here's something. Right. Try this, and then they can pass it on. I mean, yeah. there was talking, uh, was it Superman back in the 50s when they were do- pumping out a million a- at a time? But they estimated that the actual readership was probably about three to four million just because it would be passed around the house. Right. Well, sure. well, not only that, but there was also the days of where you would take your books, you go to your friend's house, and then you would trade comics as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I got a lot of old Spider-Man stuff was that way. Yeah, because it, was, it all came out. I'm sorry, Anton, go ahead. No, I was just saying that that was my big thing. You know, I used, yeah. to, I used to trade comics all the time. Yeah, but well, they I came out on Spinarax. If you yeah. missed an issue, there was no, you know, going to the back issue bin. <laughs> You better tough. hope one of your friends had it. That was the thing, man. That was that might have been months where I just didn't know what the storyline was because I missed it. The only way I'd be able to get it is my friend at school. He'd have it. You know what I mean? Because that's what he he just lived up at Seven Eleven. I don't know what he did. And he lived at Seven Eleven. You know, it's playing Tiger Heli. Probably. You know? <laughs> but um, but you know, we say all this too, man. I mean, it all. Any distribution system that comes out right now, you know, any any new distribution, I don't want to say system, but any any new distribution outlet that's going to be putting book into the stores, it is not up. It's not solely up to the uh, publisher to get the books to the distribution company. It's not up to the distribution company to get the books to the stores. Really, it's really up to the stores to seek out these books and put them on the shelves. Really, um, well, the fans because- need to speak out. The the publishers or the creators need to call these stores. They need to stop by. I mean, if you're going, to, you know, we do this all the time. If we go to a, a show, you know, we take extra copies with us, take some promotional materials, whatever. Stop by and talk to the retailers. Show them here's what our comic book looks like. Then being able to pick it up, flip through it, and see it, as opposed to you know an ad in Diamond or an email from us. That's you know, we've we've sold more books that way by just walking in and saying, "Here's our promotional pack." See, that's the whole thing. It's it's all about putting in work, like like you gentlemen have 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 just explained. And I th- I feel that the thing about comic books is that one because it's a disposable medium, and ever since that you know ever since the days of you know us being kids, from spinner racks to magazine shelves to comic book stores to whatever have you it's so instant it's an instant gratification i don't think people really realize sometimes the amount of work that goes into making the comic if you don't really look into the time and effort blood sweat and tears that are put behind the makings of a comic you won't really understand or appreciate the medium itself so Mm -hmm. if you don't have a a true appreciation of how the medium is actually created and and dispersed out there, that person won't put in work to pull to bring books in that they've never heard before. Right, and we've had retailers that yeah, we were in Diamond, we were going out quarterly, we shipped on time or early, but yet we had friends of ours that would go into these shops up in Illinois, up in Indiana, Detroit, wherever, and they would say, "Hey." We know these guys, these, you know, these, the Bushtails guys, we know them, you know, they're friends of ours. And I probably had at least three people, you know, email me back and say, dude, you're not going to believe this. I went in there and saw your book in my comic shop, told the retailer that, you know, the owner that I knew you guys. They're like, yeah, you know, I don't know about these guys. They haven't put out anything in in a while. And, and I'm just about to give up on them. This was before issue three had come out. You know, we're shipping quarterly. You know, and it's like, but because our book didn't come out once a month, they just assumed we were late or we weren't putting out anything. See, that's just ridiculous. Let's see. And once again, that all goes down to the whole thing about everybody 
putting in work. So you put in work, but that comic shop owner didn't put in enough work to understand that your book is quarterly. See, it's, it's, it's the little things. It's the little things that in the end can mean so much not only to us as indie publishers or even other publishers, but even to the beneficial wealth of a comic book store. We've lucked out here in Memphis. We're, we're down to two comic shops now as opposed to like a dozen back in the 90s. Both the comics are extremely indie friendly. They're friends of ours. And, you know, whenever we walk in with something, they're more than happy to put it on the shelves. And the same goes with Dave with, you know, the shops out there, especially uh, Samurai Comics and Spaz Dog and Stocking Moon and, and some of the others out there. We've, we've, but, you know, we were customers of theirs before we started doing comics. That they are um, uh, comic collectibles and, and, and comic seller are, are really good at supporting, you know, any of the endeavors that we do. And, um, mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 that 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 means a lot. But um, uh, yeah, and they also put it on, up there with all the mainstream books. Right. You know, our you know Bushy Tales was between Buffy and Captain America and, and BPRD. I mean, right there, eye level. You can't ask for better placement than that. Of course, on the flip side of that is what about have you the uh, ones in stores like Jackson, Tennessee, or Jonesboro, Arkansas? The small shops that basically have no back issue, they only have DC, Marvel, or if they have anything not DC or Marvel, it's whatever their customers have requested. And also ones like Graham Cracker Comics, Graham Cracker Comics, I got to say that right, Mm -hmm. that have nine stores. Are they they as indie friendly? I don't know. I do know that when we went to Super Show for, I was a Super Show, it was actually episode 300. we stopped at Humongo Comics, Pottstown or something. It's just out. It's between yeah. Philly and between Philly and, and Reading. And we walked in there, presented the guy with our comics, and and we got to looking around. I was seeing Athena Voltaire. You know, I was seeing like Atomica. Some of these others that you know, they're I knew from CGS. This guy was carrying, plus several others I'd never heard of before. And he's you know, it's called Humongo, but and it's a good sized shop. But it's not like uh, you know, like an Atomic Comics out in Arizona or anything like that. But he had a huge indie section, and that was awesome. A lot of the the shops that I've gone into, if they don't have the stuff up on the shelves with the main books and all that, they do have an indie section, even if it's a small spinner rack or you know just one little shelf over in the corner. I don't think I've gone into a shop, especially going to some of these shows and stuff like that, that don't have an indie section or aren't willing to at least take a free copy of your book to look at. No, nobody's looked at me and gone, hey, you know, like I'm handing them an STD or anything. (laughs) They just said that because of that beard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't wearing pants at the time. But anyway. I do want to ask you gentlemen about a couple of the things that you're currently promoting at this time. Martheus, on on Toshigawa.com, and that's T-O-S-H-I-G-O. A-W-A, right? Right. Fantastic. I just want to make sure I get that right because I don't like jacking stuff up. On Toshigawa.com, you have uh, free comics available to read. On a, is it like on a weekly basis or just by storyline? How does that work out? Well, that's, that's, one, that's, that's kind of going back into you know, me going backwards as opposed to, to, to Lynn going in different directions. I'm going back to, to, to web comics. Not saying that I'm not going to publish graphic novel books as well, but... This, I found that the story is so broad, the Jetta story is so broad, and we want to touch so many characters that it, it, it's impossible to put it into the graphic novel. So another way to actually do that is to, to put it out 
on the web for free. The cool thing about it is, is that it gives readers of the book something to look forward to in between the graphic novels. The other cool thing is that I get a chance to work with other illustrators and other writers. You know, sometimes I write the story, sometimes I'll just illustrate the stories and somebody else will write it. Our current story uh, that we have going on right now is a story that was supposed to be in the middle of Defiant, Jeddah tells our story about Defiant. But when we were with Shooting Star, the page count started to get too large. So that was one of the things, one of the side stories that we had to cut out because it really didn't didn't further Jeddah's story. It kind of furthered um, her boyfriend Kim's story and where he's been and what's been going on with him. So what we did was we've been waiting for a long time to find some kind of way to to do that story, and it was something that Je- Janet wrote herself. It's an eight-page story that is up now, written by her, and it's drawn uh, by Sean Isaacs, a um, guy we met through DeviantArt. Uh, he's doing some awesome stuff for us, colorized by Kevin Williams, uh, the editor of Jetta. And what we do is, is that every Friday, we place a new page of, of that story. It's like, uh, it, it kind of continues every week, the story continues, so it's eight pages, and then we'll start another story. You know, we put that, that story up, uh, up there uh, a page every Wednesday until it's it's completed and finished and stuff like that. And then our plans are to go go and at some point once we get uh, enough stories up, we're gonna set those stories up into PDF like eight page PDFs with the cover and all that kind of stuff, and place those up there so that you can just download the story and have it. You know, what I mean, that's Very another nice. story that can add to the rest of your graphic novels that you bought for Jetta. You know, what I mean, it's fun. It's fun stuff. You know what I mean? It's real fun stuff. We've got like three stories up now currently. We're in production with three other stories that are out with different artists and stuff like that. And they're trying to finish up their stuff and they're giving it back to us. And either, you know, we're colorizing it or we're putting putting the text to it. And so you got all that jumping off. Plus, you're also working on the latest uh, Jetta story arc, too, right? Right. I'm working on the continuation of the graphic novel called Jetta Tells Us Social Guy Full Circle. And this is the second book second to the last book of the Jetta uh, Tales of the Toshigawa series. So we're getting ready to wrap it up. And ironically, we're working on that, but we're, we're also working on the, another graphic novel, which is a spinoff of Jetta, which is Tour of Gun Angel. Yes. We're working on that graphic novel at the same time. I, so, dude, I, I love I love the Tura character, dude. <laughs> Tura rocks, yeah. man. Did, did you get that? You got okay. Oh, you got the uh, yeah. Oh yeah, and I got the sketch card. See, I I ordered okay. it. I ordered um cool. to to all the people that listen to this podcast. I ordered a Jetta comic from HeroesCorner.com, and because I ordered it from HeroesCorner.com, it came with a kick-ass sketch card, and I requested uh, I requested Tura, and I love it. I love it. And yeah. for, for those who did not order from Heroes Corner during that promotion, y'all was sleeping. Well, see, there's there's something I'm a little jealous of Anton of. I'm going to admit it right now. He has people dressing up as his characters. Yes. Do you know how freaking cool that is to go to a show <laughs> and you see, you know, your character, you go, wait a minute, there goes a tour. It is kind of cool because this yeah. one girl dressed up as tour and Mitch Alcon and I almost freaked out, man. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. Yeah. But, uh, so you can't. Oh beat yeah, that, and, and so so yeah, we're we're doing that. We're doing that as well, and it's it, it, the timing's got to be right because all these things, the web stories, the next graphic novel, and the tour graphic novel all tie into the very last Jedi Tales of Toshigawa book. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to keep all this stuff, you know, going and on 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 point and stuff. But once it's once it's out, I can honestly say the last book, the last actual, the last Jedi book 
I've written it, it's finished, and I Janet read it, and she almost cried. My my editor Kevin, he read it, and he was just like, "Man, that's that's like the best story I have heard, I have ever read from you, man. This is gonna be be awesome." So it's cool. It's it's been a fun ride, and it's it's I think it's gonna end with a bang. See, that's putting in work, and and not only that, but you also have um, a, a Jetta a Jetta movie that's uh, currently in the works too, right? Yeah, man. The good thing about that is is that I'm really hands-off on it, and I don't have to oversee anything, which is really good. The bad part about it is that I'm hands-off, and I don't have to oversee <laughs> anything. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm real nervous about a lot of stuff. So it's a concern, but then again, it's a relief, too, because I am hands-off on it. You know what I mean? I'm, it's not something that I have to personally oversee, so I don't have to juggle a lot, you know. But at the same time, I'm hands-off, so I'm kind of like, I wonder how true is the is it going to come out to be you know what i mean that type of thing and for instance like i'm hoping that they don't cut some of my characters out Turo being one of them because i'm just like don't do that you know because he's such a cool character but you know then again they've got their reasons and for stuff so you know i don't know you know i it's, it's just one of those things where i just hope <laughs> hope for the best but at the same time enjoy the ride because you know how can how many people that you can say that are don't have major distribution or with you know marvel dc or image that has a uh, a movie that's being developed. You know what I mean? It's it's a pretty cool thing to say and to, mm-hmm. to have, you know, under your belt. So oh, two words. Movie check. <laughs> you yeah, gotta love you know, it. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what a whole bunch of people are saying, man. Dude, dude, just forget it, man. And then don't matter how it comes out, just check and run. And I'm just like you know, I just, you know, I've been with doing Jetta for so long and the character's been with me so long that, you know, I just can't help but be nervous about that just because it's such a big part of me, you know. Well, does, that make, oh, does that make Kevin Silent Bob? Kevin, Kevin is anything Bob. but silent. Yeah. No. <laughs> you can't shut the boy up. You can't. Well, as long as I go to, if, when I go to a movie theater, if I, if I, as long as I don't see a Michelle Pfeiffer as Jetta, I'm good. Right. I'm good. As long as, you know, I don't want to see nothing crazy. It doesn't have to stick true to every single page no, of the comic. It just has to be good. Michelle right. Pfeiffer would be okay because she can fight. It's when Jack Black is Jetta. That's when you got to work. Or Gary Coleman, you know. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, Webster. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the wide ride, man. I'm enjoying the ride, dude. On it. Cool. Now I'm going to flip over to, to Lynn. Now, Lynn, you've got something going on, something going on on the internet besides Bushy Tales called ComicHorror.com. Now, tell, yes. the, tell the people what ComicHorror.com is all about. ComicHorror.com, and yes, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, is a a website that I uh, started up with uh, with Nikki. Um, it's about self publishing, and I talk about things that I've done or things that I've seen. Uh, so hopefully, if you're interested in in getting into self publishing or you already are, uh, maybe you can learn from some of my mistakes or some of my actual things that worked out. There's no new ideas out there, people. Really, <laughs> Hollywood is proof of that. Uh, if there is a Jetta movie that happens, oh, thank God. How many more of these Friday the Thirteenth Part Thirteen do you know, do you really need? Let's let's get some new stuff out there. But as far as promotions and stuff like that, there's a lot of times that you know, as a self publisher, as a small guy, you know, you have to improvise on the spot. You know, you get into these situations that shows. That you know you didn't see coming. I told you you know, you have to make lemonade when it's you know when it's handed to you that way. It's you, you can either sit there, put your head down, and bitch and moan about how cruel the world is. You know, wow, this show sucks. 
or you can try to, to put a positive spin on it. And that's, that's what I try to, to put into some of my blogs. Uh, just, you know, like I said, share some of my experiences, what worked, what didn't work, you know, and what I've heard. And um, if I find really cool companies that, you know, have like free promotional products or low cost promotional products, or I've had good experiences with them, I try to post those links. Um, if people are out there and, you know, uh, like PKD Media, that you know have sent me some stuff. I'm more than happy to pimp it on my Pimp It Fridays. I appreciate the pimpage on Pimp It Friday too. <laughs> I really, Man, I, I, I appreciate you thinking it's worth your time to send it to me. <laughs> you know? It's amazing how many people you know. Hey, send me your information and I'll post it. I will pimp this for you, and they sit on their butts. You know, it happens. And so, for somebody to actually send me stuff and say yes, please, you know shine a little light on this. It's, it's awesome. That's, that's what I want to do is, is kind of spotlight some of the folks that are hustling and, and moving out there and trying to get their stuff seen. Unlike yourself and, and Martheus, see, I'm not an artist. I'm just a writer. So at a convention, it's even harder for me to make money because I got my books. That's it. I can't draw you a sketch yet. <laughs> you know, I can't draw. I can't draw you a sketch yet. And I'm I'm starting to realize in the comics game, you need to be as versatile as possible. Um, at least, mm-hmm. at least for me, from my perspective. But there are tips on the comic uh, comic horror website. Um, there are tips like uh, you had some links to a couple of uh, Denny O'Neill blogs um, mm-hmm. about about writing. There's so much vital information and helpful information for uh, indie and small press publishers and. Yeah, it's just, it's a good thing. And it's it's a nice, quick read. Trust me, y'all. Y'all need to peep. Um, well, thanks. I appreciate it. And you also had um, something you know, over Halloween called It's Good to Be Bad, Monster Portraits of Villainy. Correct. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I, I spent my summer working on. Uh, it's just big, giant, airbrushed portraits of villains. Uh, everything from the old black and white monsters up to some of the more recent villains. Um, and it's... I did them all black and white. There's a lot of shades of gray in between. And I, I really like the villains who don't consider themselves to be villains. You know, they just think the world would be better if they ran everything. You know, that's those are so there's some of the more fun villains. Although I do like some of the ones that twist their mustache, too. You know, now was Blackula added to that list? He is not in this one. But it, man, if I can find some good reference for him or some screen caps, I would love to do Blackula. What I want to do is just some characters that people would just not think of. Blackula would be awesome. Yeah, he'd, he'd be really cool. I'd love to do some. Dolom, oh man, so yeah, there you go. But <laughs> yes. I'd, I'd love to do some old Hammer uh, horror m- monsters, you know, um, in villains. No, not not the Hammer pants. <laughs> oh, okay. or the Hammer thong. You know, but you know, ha- you know, Hammer monsters. Uh-huh. You know. No, no, no. Peter Cushing and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, but, we can we can deal oh, with yeah. that. We can deal with that for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a fun show. It was, it was a really good turnout. We had oh gosh, several hundred folks that, that, that came out over over the night. Uh, it started off really slow, and I was scared. I was like, oh, man, there's like two people walking around. This is not good. It's starting to rain outside. Oh, what are we going to do? And then I turn around, and I look back, and the whole place is packed. I mean, it was literally just – it happened that way. We had two comic artists uh, show up, uh, Jim Hall and Dean Zachary. Both have worked on some recent Star Wars comics or Dark Horse and have done some other you know, Marvel and DC work. Uh, they're local guys, good guys. Uh, we had an independent filmmaker show up, and we had one of the writers from the local Commercial Appeal uh, show up, John Bifus. He did a really – that was one of the things, I guess, really great press coverage, and I'm a media hoe, so I, I, I'll eat that stuff up. 
but we also had uh, Jerry the King Lawler show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he showed up and walked around. And it was he's a big monster fan. He he loves him, and we got to talking about uh, Savad, who used to be our horror host here, and and it was kind of funny because I started talking to him about it, and I was talking to John Bifus, the the newspaper writer. And then the independent filmmaker guy started talking about it. And then Jim and Dean both, you know, grew up here. So they start about, you know, next thing we know, we're all sitting around telling stories about Savad scaring the bejesus out of us as kids. So that was kind of fun. And I actually had one guy dress up as, as one of the characters in the paintings, too. So that was that was kind of fun. If I had a fifth of either of your guys' artistic talent, I would be the happiest man on the face of the planet right now. <laughs> Oh, dude, you'll be a tortured soul, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to, you really have to focus on things. And it's, that's one of the things this, this show got me to do was I was doing nothing but painting, you know, almost every day, uh, you know, come home from work or on the weekends and just paint, 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 paint. It's instead of having working on this a little bit over here and working on this a little over here a little bit and having that on the back burner and you end up being like one of those guys in the circus that spins plates. You know, and you're running around trying to keep this one going and keep this one from falling. And instead of doing that, it's like, all right, this is my focus. I'm going to work on this and get it done. My, I've got Comic Core and I've got my you know, my Lynn Workman site and I update the Mid South Cartoonist site and stuff like that. But those are fun things I do in the morning. You know, that's you know, I've got projects and it's like, all right, this one's prioritized and I'm giving myself a deadline on it. And this is when I got to have it done. And if you don't play, you know, that, you know, if you don't be your own editor and, you know, set those deadlines and, and really force yourself to hit them, you know, it, then you know, a year goes by and you go, wow, I haven't put anything out. You know, what, what, what happened? You know, <laughs> time, time just goes by way too fast. So I've got my next little project I'm working on. And it's, there's, there's two project, Bushy Tales projects that Dave and I are working on. And it's, but they're in the writing stage right now. And it's just, you know, now that I'm done with Halloween, because I also help out with a, a haunt and do makeup and run around as an eight-foot clown and that kind of stuff. <laughs> all, that, all that's over with. I've survived October. Now I can focus back on, on Bushy Tales and get it going. And, uh, we'll, and we're looking at, you know, doing print-on-demand. We're looking at doing graphic novels, you know, because we've, we've done the, you know, which I guess you call the single issues or floppies. You know, but it's like, all right, sh- should we go with you know a graphic novel next? Should we, you know, do more of a, a trade type of book? Does that sell better? Is Diamond more willing to pick that sort of thing up as opposed to single issues? It's got a higher price point, so can we hit the higher sales that Diamond wants? You got to look at these things. But right now, it's in the it's in the writing uh, stage, and when we get closer to that, you know, the going to print stage, well, then that's when we'll make decision. Which we go, but right. hopefully we'll 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 promote everything at the uh, Phoenix Cactus Con. That's that's kind of mine and Dave's big convention we hit every year because you know he could drive down to it. I get to hang out in Phoenix for for a week. Yeah, it's a good it's a good show. Not too big, not too small, and the the staff are awesome. John, you got any uh, thing that you want to close out with? Nah, I mean I've got my personal blog www.theoblivionbar.com. Yes, I shamelessly stole that from DC's. Uh, <laughs> good old wonderful what was that the shadow pact so yes. update it three four times a week comics politics and sports mm-hmm. that's it no in um, all seriousness Lynn Martheus I thank both of y'all for coming on to the show 
I do appreciate it. John appreciates it. We all appreciate it very, very much. Yeah. Well, thank you. you know, yeah. and, and I hope y'all had a good time as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Always love talking it's comics. Anytime I can talk shop, man. Anytime I talk comics, man, I'm I'm straight. Cool, mm-hmm. cool. We got we got con season around the around the corner here, so hopefully we'll see you down the road. All right. Yeah. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. Come back next week as special guests Jim Dietz and Johnny M of the Legion of Dudes podcast stop by as we talk about our favorite martial arts flicks. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our forum, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.